Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. We have a guest on today who is going to give us the Credit Managers Index report information as well as what's happening in the general economy before we get to Dr. Chris Keel. Lou, how is the weather in New York? We're having a bomb cyclone. (laughs) It's an old term, but which they brought back, you know, just to predict the end of the earth for New York. (laughs) It is is pretty blustery out there. But we're here. We're on the air. We're dying to get going. Uh, we did a uh, the report on the uh, ISM number, the PMI uh, number yesterday, Purchasing Managers Index number, and it was terrific. So, Chris, are you going to give us terrific numbers? No, I'm not. Um, so this this is one all of right. Those weeks the show where... is now over. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think you're you're offering variety. You know that for those people who are eternally optimistic and sunny well you took care of them yesterday those people who wander around in a cloud of doom well it's my turn um so they will come away satisfied as well we we aim to make everyone happy (laughs) that's right that's right so let me put some some context to this and and you know maybe soften the blow just a little uh we have been watching a very kind of contradictory CMI for the last several months. It will be good one month and bad the next and good the next and bad the next. So it's part of that pattern where we have seen good months and bad months. What is a little disturbing is that we saw a pretty dramatic drop when it came to our numbers. Um, Last month, when we were looking at the combined score, it was 56.6, which was about the best it had been in months. I mean, if you could kind of go back almost two years to see numbers that high, then all of a sudden it falls to 54.2, which is not horrible, um, but it would have been lower than anything we had seen since maybe the end of the summer. What was most significant was that it was the favorable statistics that went down more than the unfavorables. Uh, for those who have been paying attention low these many months, Every time we talk about the CMI, we divide the categories into favorable and unfavorable from the perspective of a credit manager. So favorable things are like sales and new applications for credit and dollar collections, people actually paying their debt, and the amount of credit extended. The unfavorables are things like accounts out for collection and disputes and bankruptcies and slow pays. The unfavorables didn't change that much. They have been kind of consistently mediocre, barely above 50, occasionally in the high 40s, but not a real crisis situation. The good news was coming out of the favorable category. We were seeing big increases in sales. We were seeing good numbers when it came to dollar collections, and all of that basically stalled uh, in the December readings. We went from a sales number of 68.3 to one of 59.2. That was almost a 10-point drop. So 
if not catastrophic, these numbers are still <clears throat> quite respectably high and would still indicate pretty solid growth. The big concern is <clears throat> why the dip? You know, why did we suddenly get these less than exalted numbers? And is there something you know, more consistent behind this? Is there something that is more distressing than just a one-month variation, particularly because we have a tendency to be a little bit predictive when it comes to the PMI. Sometimes things will happen with our index one month, and it will sort of be reflected in the PMI the next month. That doesn't always happen, but it happens often enough that we kind of look at it as a bit of a harbinger and say, well, dang, I hope this doesn't mean that January's PMI drops. So we shall see. Um, I suspect that the big issue is that, particularly in manufacturing, you get a bit of a slowdown in terms of sales around the end of the year, simply because the focus turns to retail. Maybe there's been a little bit of, of concern over what the implications of the tax cut would be. Uh, companies might have been waiting to see what that looks like before they bought. It's kind of hard to say. We're just trying to figure out now why these two indices are not are not simpatico at the moment, as they often happens. Well, I'd like to point out also uh, for our listeners that the uh, PMI number uh, is uh, purely the, the manufacturing number for the mm -hmm. month of December, and your number is a combination of manufacturing right. and service sector. Now, the, the service sector number from uh, ISM is coming out on Friday. So if right. we take a look at that in combination with uh, the uh, manufacturing number, it may wind up evening out a little bit. But your number is a combination, and the PMI number was pure manufacturing, and that may have something to do with it. It, it probably has, particularly as far as the overall number. When we break out just manufacturing, we had a fairly similar response as we had with the overall. You know, we had a an overall dip in the manufacturing numbers from 51 or 56.1 to 53.9. Not, again, catastrophic, but the 53 number, we hadn't seen that since May. And then if you look at, again, the favorable versus unfavorable, uh, we went from a 65.3 to a 58.8. Again, I never want to make this more than it is because – in previous months, if we had hit 58.8, we'd be dancing in the street. We'd be like, oh, my God, that is great. So, you know, it's one of those things of what have you done for me lately? You know, it's like, well, it was at 65. How come it's not still up there? Would you please be grateful for the fact that it's 58.8? <laughs> so it's, Without it's a doubt. always, yeah, you just have to kind of, put things a bit in context and say it wasn't as good as the month before, but still uh, it's it's quite respectable and it's nowhere near a contraction zone. We did uh, well, we can all take Yeah, go ahead. We can all take a breath we can all take a breath on that. We're glad to hear it. Now <laughs> I will tell you, Chris, if the PMI number tanks next month, you're fired. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's like, how dare you set this up this way? 
Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you have to understand that, you know, purchasing managers and credit managers, you know, there's some similarities between them. But, I mean, from a personality point of view, the purchasing managers are always in a better mood. They're buying things. I mean, they're shopping all day for a living. The credit managers are the ones that are going around mumbling, who owes me money? When do I call Guido? Do you really like your knees? You know, I mean, so <laughs> it, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's kind a, of a different that, mindset. That, that's a, a very true statement because I just had that conversation with my CFO of All Medicine right. Forge Group this morning. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, uh, sales were up November, December, you know, really great. And he's like, yeah, but the collections, the collection. I said, not my job. Your job. My job is sales. Exactly. 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 And this is why credit managers in the sales force are always kind of glaring at each other. The credit managers are always the ones mumbling, it's not a sale until we're paid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you guys got your own sayings to live by. We don't. We don't. Yeah, exactly. We on the sales side don't worry about that. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's the credit managers that are just constantly looking at the salespeople, saying, "Could you have checked to see if they had any money before they ordered this?" <laughs> uh, Chris, actually, you have another saying in your world uh, about the fact that, that you know, at the end of the year. Uh, when you're looking at the year-end financials, and uh, if you, the company had, uh, for example, a one percent or one and a half percent bad debt, you guys say you're leaving money on the table. You should have a two percent bad debt. And I always mm-hmm. say to that, the guys who say that don't own the companies. It's not their exactly. money. Exactly. I hate two. I hate two percent loss. I hate one and a half percent loss. We have a half percent loss, and that's just fine with me. Exactly. We're always trying to find that that happy medium because we know anyone who deals with with credit knows that there's a certain amount of risk involved in any of these. I mean, that's ninety percent of what a credit manager is doing is assessing the risk because. If there was no risk, you'd just be, you know, cash on delivery and everybody would be happy. You know, you're giving people terms because you're you're counting on more business. But as soon as you give somebody 30, 60, 90, 120 days to pay, well, things happen. Um, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God. So going into the coming year, the biggest concern that everyone is expressing now is that we're going to be looking at some pretty serious inflation threats. And we have not seen those in a really long time. And this is something that the credit managers worry about because the longer you offer somebody terms and the higher the rate of inflation, the more likely it is you're going to get paid with money that was worth less than when you basically offered it. Um, so one of the big challenges going forward to the credit manager is going to be saying, well, if I give you this much time to pay, I'm going to have to add some, some fees in here to make sure that I'm covered uh, in the event that there's a serious inflation issue. And one of the conclusions that was reached by the Fed in their last set of minutes was that they're 
a little worried about the timing of the tax cut and, and what it might do to inflation. So that's going to be the issue, I think, for 2018. Well, Chris, you mean inflation? Um, yes, inflation <laughs> is going to be the issue. Um, it's, we haven't had it for 10 years. So people have kind of forgotten what it's like and what triggers it. And right now, a lot of things are playing into it, everything from commodities, prices to wages. But the tax cut is, this would have been a great idea four or five years ago. To have it now is kind of like, well, the economy is already booming. It doesn't really need the help. So if you surge a lot of money into it now, you're going to overheat it, and the economy will start to ramp up when it comes to inflation. The Fed will react. It will start to raise interest rates, and you may undo whatever growth you were getting at the beginning of the year, at the end of the year, when the Fed starts to raise rates. Because some of the predictions now, 35 maybe even 4% interest rates by the end of the year. Chris, have you seen any of the charts that they've been putting out about who's going to get what reduction in taxes by percentage? Mm-hmm. It's To me, it's pathetic. I can't see that a a 1% or a 2% reduction in my taxes is going to cause inflation. It won't won't with you, but it will with the company. Because what's really at stake and what was the the aim of this thing from the very beginning was to go after uh, the corporate tax rate and reduce it to a point that we were more in line with how the rest of the world behaves. So the reality is that a lot of money that was sitting on the sidelines with companies may start making its way into the economy. Now, now it's going to depend on what they spend it on. If they kind of squirrel it away and don't do anything dramatic, well, we probably won't have much inflation because it's not making its way into the economy. If, on the other hand, they get excited and start offering bonuses and trying to hire people and buy new machines is good for the growth of the economy, but that's also what triggers inflation. So that, that's the concern. How is the money actually going to get used? I've heard uh, recently once and then about two weeks ago, and then I <clears> – <throat> did a little bit more research on it, and I did come up with uh, a second uh, note about the following, that the reason or part of the reason that uh, this tax cut, and I won't call it a tax reform because it's not, this tax cut that's going on was to help make American companies more competitive overseas. I've I've now heard twice the countries in Europe are talking about reducing their tax rate further, mm-hmm. which would annihilate the original purpose of lowering our tax rate so we'd be more competitive. Have you heard anything to that effect? No, I have. And, and it's one of the things that differs between how we tax and how the Europeans tax because Europe really did do more of, and it depends on the country you're talking about, but they did more of a reform than a cut. Cuts were part of the deal, 
But for example, Germany just went in a much more user fee kind of of sales tax oriented approach where instead of having income taxes and corporate taxes, you were basically taxed on consumption, what you bought, um, how you use the money. So it's not, I mean, the value added tax is much more common in Europe than it is here. So it's not that they necessarily lowered the the taxes as, as a one-shot deal. It was kind of restructuring the whole approach to how you tax. And frankly, particularly when it comes to taxing the wealthy, we always talk about how important it is to tax the wealthy, but the deal is, if you're wealthy, you can avoid the tax. You can find ways to squirrel your money away. You could move. The Germans and the Europeans in general decided to tax the stuff that the wealthy buys because that they can't avoid. And if you're wealthy, well, shoot, you buy stuff. What else is the fun of being wealthy? So <laughs> the taxes were really high on houses and cars and jewelry and, and boats and expensive things. Meanwhile, necessities, things like food and shelter and medicine weren't taxed at all. But we're still more dependent than most countries on the corporate and the income tax. And the rest of the world has moved in in more kind of user fee directions, which can be regressive. I mean, it certainly is going to hit a lower paid person more than it hits a higher paid person. But that's why, for example, the Germans focus it on things that a poor person wouldn't buy anyway. So it's it's a just kind of a different mindset when it comes to how to tax. So the point that uh, I brought up and that you had heard also, does that mean that it really won't have that effect that I pointed out? It probably will not have much of an impact, at least long-term. I mean, short-term, you're going to see people, companies, taking advantage of this, but it's it's the same old story. I mean, once you do something to get an advantage over somebody else, well, they're not just going to stand there and look at you and say, oh, darn, you've got an <laughs> advantage over me. I guess I'm just going to lay here on the ground and die. The Europeans are saying, well, okay, you want to play that game? So can we. Um, and that's one of the reasons that economists have always worried about those kinds of competitive approaches because it, it just sends you into a never-ending spiral of, oh, yeah, well, I can tax it even lower. Oh, yeah, well, I can actually give people money. Oh, yeah, well, it's like, <laughs> stop. <laughs> you know, there, there's no good ending to this, children. Um, so It sounds like somebody we have in uh, D.C., uh, it sounds like many of the people we have in D.C. Um, you know, it's <laughs> right. just, I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion, and I've said this before, that just because of the contact that I have with these people, you should not be allowed to run for political office of any kind unless you are a credit manager. Um, <laughs> it's like you, you need to understand how this works. Um, and so well, it's interesting. We it's interesting you say that, Chris, because we had a uh, congressman from New Jersey on our show, and he said in Congress uh, there are, uh, I don't remember the exact number of people in Congress, let's say at 496, he said there's 493 are lawyers, 
Uh, uh-huh. Two are construction, two are construction workers, and one's a real estate agent. So. <laughs> I think that's you know, and that's something that when you look historically over the period from even the Second World War to today, there's been a fundamental change in who is representing at the state level, the national level, et cetera, because what you used to have was an awful lot of people who were local business people who had become active in their community, became a mayor, maybe ran for state office, eventually ended up in Congress. And they, they had been people who'd made payroll. They knew what it was to run a business. You also had at one point a preponderance of people in Congress who had been World War II veterans, and they also had a certain amount of seriousness that is kind of lacking. I mean, people who'd been through that war just, you know, were sober when it comes to to many of these issues. And I think today, without getting on a soapbox here, we have an awful lot of kind of one-issue representatives who are there to do a thing, and they don't have much interest in the rest of what the office entails. That's probably fairly accurate. Um, in terms of 2018, Chris, I, I know that the PMI number has been very strong. And when we talk with Tim Fiore from Institute of Supply Management on what it looks like going forward, it still appears that it's going to roll up above 50 month after month for at least a while yet. What's oh, yeah. your sense of 20, 2018 now that we're in it? Does it look like it's going to be a a 4.0 GDP year? I don't think it's going to be quite that that robust, but it's not going to surprise me if we end up closer to three than we've been in recent history. I mean, we've had two quarters that are about 3%, you know, for sure, second, third of last year. It is very likely that the fourth quarter numbers from last year are going to be at least that good. Um, we had a good retail season. I think we may end up missing what we have dealt with for the last four or five years, which is kind of a down first quarter. That's just kind of been a pattern, um, partly because we're kind of coming off the post-holiday high, but also because of just kind of the rhythm of the business community. We may end up with a more respectable first quarter number, and then we're back to doing what we have done in the past, where the second quarter gets stronger, third quarter keeps up the pace, and then you kind of come into the fourth quarter hoping that retail saves the day. It's going to have a lot to do with with certain industries. The auto sector is not expecting a really good 2018. Um, They're more worried than most about interest rates, and if interest rates go up even a little bit, that puts a real damper on the enthusiasm for buying a car. The housing sector is a little worried, too, because, same thing, interest rates and mortgage rates have a lot to do with what people want to do with a house. So those two huge sectors of the economy are going to be watched really carefully. If demand for homes continues to be strong, that will be good news, but... I'm already hearing rumblings from the people in the home building community that the new home buyer is getting more discouraged by the day by what they think is going to happen with mortgage rates. Regarding the uh, automotive sector, aren't they still uh, uh, filling uh, back orders uh, for automobiles that were uh, destroyed during the hurricanes, which runs into the millions? And most of that's already been done. All they done, huh? did most, most of that's been done. And 
because what you had was emergency buying. You know, people were not in a position to wait. I mean, it was like, I don't have a car, I must have a car, and so the vast majority of our sales <clears throat> took place in about a two- or three-week period. The automotive sector is now trying to bring those inventories back up, but they're doing that cautiously because it's like, well, unless we can count on another big hurricane or some other disaster. I mean, we had a chance today. There was an earthquake in San Francisco, but it was little. Um, so, you know, we, we need we need the San Andreas to go. Um, and, <laughs> and suddenly California is a suburb of Honolulu. Um, but... You know, we just need another <laughs> good old-fashioned disaster. Maybe the bomb cyclone. I mean, if we can get everybody to start driving their cars and getting into wrecks, um, that would be great. <laughs> Have you ever seen an automobile accident in Shanghai or Beijing? <laughs> they wipe out hundreds of cars. Hundreds of oh, cars yeah, those at a go time. On for days. Yeah, oh, I mean, absolutely. some of these accidents started in the 1950s. It just keeps going. <laughs> around, so. That's true. It, it sounds like it's not uh, anywhere close to wrist slitting time, even though uh, no. you mentioned that your your numbers are not in sync with the PMI. So do yeah, you think but, that yeah. it, is it likely, Chris, your numbers are going to come in sync with the PMI in a positive way, or does the PMI have to collapse? You know, I think we'll probably see continuation of the pattern that we saw last year, uh, where it's up one month and down the next, and up the next, and down the next. We just haven't seemed to be able to break that that up and down cycle, so it would not surprise me to see the numbers improve uh, in January. But I also have to you know, just hasten to remind people that you know, it's it's a big deal to drop five or six points, but still, you know, you're well into the upper fifties and and that's that's the critical thing. It's like if you're if you're above fifty, you're in expansion territory. It's nice when you're way above fifty, but even just being in the mid fifties is is a good signal. We still have a very engaged consumer, which is something that propelled the latter part of last year. We're still doing well when it comes to exports. Um, one of the things, again, though, that to be a little bit worried about what happens with interest rates is that the other thing that happens when rates go up is that the dollar gets stronger because we become more of a target for investors, and that is not going to do us any favors when it comes to exports. We've been benefiting from the fact that the dollar has been a little bit weaker. So... If the dollar loses some of that advantage, it will chew into some of the export growth, which is a lot of what propelled things last year. I think that we have to call this show the Unless Show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, you know that's what that's what happens when you get an economist because you know our our favorite term is ceteris paribus, all things being equal. You know, and, and we're just like meteorologists. You know, we, we look at people and we confidently say something and it doesn't happen. And then we just look back and say, well, we have more data. And we got more data. So, you know, it all changed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Chris, we appreciate you being on Manufacturing Talk Radio each month and bringing our listeners up to date. And, and uh, so we, we thank you for joining us again today. Well, thank you very much. And maybe next time 
the PMI will be down and will be up, and I'll be the oh. good guy, and they'll be the bad Bite your tongue about the PMI. I'd rather have a high PMI and, and the hell okay. with your CMI. But listen, Chris, uh, stick around for a few minutes after the show, and uh, I just want to have a comment or two with you. So, sure. uh, Tim? Let's wrap it up. Thanks for listening, everyone, to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We'll be back with you soon with new information. Check us out at mfgtalkradio.com, and thanks for listening today. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.